Hello, and uh, welcome back to another episode of uh, Kevin and Brendan Give Notes. Uh, my name is Kevin Nibley. I'm Brendan Leach. And uh, we're two friends who are uh, starting to get a little stir-crazy during uh, this quarantine that's never going to end. Um, <laughs> so we, we call each other every so often, talk about movies, and we decide to make it a podcast and share that joy with you we're on twitter at give underscore notes uh we're on every podcast platform uh, our theme song is by dave from millions so thank you to dave for that ripper anyway uh last episode we did johnny mnemonic um and i wanted to stick with a story about a career of sorts um in a dystopian future um and we're going to go to kevin costner's lesser known apocalyptic uh, directorial vision, um, The Postman. In the future, after the Great War, our civilization lies in ruin. Government does not exist. Technology has been erased. And everything man remembers is gone. Out of the chaos, a lawless army will arise to prey on the few survivors. But to a people who have lost their hope. You are a dangerous man. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> he will give them courage. I have a feeling about you. He will restore their memories of the past. It's the individual that counts. These people don't need dreams. They need help. Are you gonna bring them that? I want him bound. I want him dealt with. He will unite them. You have a gift, postman. With a message of freedom. I challenge the leadership of the clan. You want a war? I'll give you a war. Kevin Costner, Academy Award-winning director of Dances with Wolves, brings you an epic new vision of our future. There's gonna be new laws! There's gonna be peace! This was your first time seeing this, correct? This is completely my first time seeing it. And I, I don't know how I've lived this long <laughs> without, <laughs> without putting this one. I mean, I, I have three hours in my life. So this might be only my second time, but... Um, I, you know, this movie, I enjoy it. It's not a good movie, but I do enjoy it. And uh, I, not to out myself as a video game nerd, but uh, if you're a fan of the Fallout video game series, which I am very much so, uh, I mean, you sort of at some point had to watch this because they ripped off a lot. So you didn't see it in the 90s? No. So I'm trying, I was trying to add this up. Are we the exact same age as this character? Yeah, because at the end, they have like a statue um of him and i think it says like he was born in 1973 so i i was born in 78 oh, i don't know if yeah. you're 79 or something but he's eight, yeah. so he's about five years older five six years older than us so i have a problem with that because this dude does not feel like a gen x dude this guy <laughs> is a baby boomer yeah. to the bone and his whole deal is baby boomer bullshit this guy never had a rockabilly phase is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, all right. Normally, we go pretty point by point. I, this movie's three hours long. Okay, we'll go chapter by chapter. So, 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 chapter one is what I call Don Henley music video. Is the op <laughs> okay. the o the opener of this movie, right? The last of the great cities died when my father was a child, victims of yet another war. 
He told of the plagues that followed and how the living hid themselves. Okay, anyway, so blah, blah. So we, uh, we start off, he's like this lone wanderer in the salt flats of Utah. He's like with a mule. He's, he's like, he's kind of uh, losing his mind. He talks to himself. They, they set you up, I think, for what's going to be a schmaltzy but interesting post-apocalyptic movie where it's like, yeah. it's atmospheric. It's got like a, just a random shot of a lion. I know it comes in later, but in the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. it really does feel like a Don Henley song. Like it feels like a solo Eagles song. And then there's like, kind of incredible shot of the gas station that looks like an Ed Rusha painting and that's it's a nice great. cut to the it, it's setting up a really good like interesting movie and we get away from it right away I think he's surrounded by people for the entire rest of the movie right, right. they dump it immediately they're like okay now he's a wandering Shakespearean troubadour I said tell Burnham Wood comes to Dunsany <laughs> thank you thank you so he's, he does some Shakespeare. Uh, this, we introduced this evil general guy who I guess is the head of this racist, you know, militia. I'm taking three conscripts from each town. They will have the honor of serving in the holiest army until such time as I see fit. He basically forcibly conscripts him into his armies. He's like in this prison camp kind of thing. They kill his mule, which is kind of rough. Got meat tonight. Why don't you tell Shakespeare what kind it is? Beautiful. But um, they have like this rap battle. The general while meeting like the new conscripts. He starts reading the fucking Shakespeare and then Kevin Costner starts reading it and they do this like whole rap battle. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. Now is the winner of our discontent made glorious summer by this son of York. But meanwhile, we're like 45 minutes into this movie. If this is any other movie, they should start wrapping the story up right at this point. <laughs> and he is not yet the postman. Like there's no reference to the yeah. title of the film. But we know what's weird. It's like, so, so there are these like savage, racist, Mm -hmm. assholes like white supremacists um but they have like they have like a movie night you can watch a movie or you can sleep what when when, she, when like the bombs fell did they like take a trip down to fucking burbank on their horses <laughs> and open up like the fucking mgm vault and get like all these prints <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. They, they send Kevin Costner on some mission. I think it's to like tame a lion or something. Uh, he ends up like escaping. He gets like whatever. He jumps off a bridge. He ends up in a river. I'm not entirely clear on how like resources work in this world, but from this scene, they must have like an unlimited amount of ammunition. He's got like 30 guys with Uzis just spraying the fucking river with bullets for this guy. <laughs> it might may or may not have survived this jump off the bridge. There he is! Shoot him! The point is, this movie is already straining credibility, and it's, it feels like we have watched an entire movie at this point. So whatever, so he escapes to hide or something in case like more troops come or whatever. He ends up in like a rust-addled mail vehicle, mm -hmm. like a, either it's like a skeleton with a postman's outfit. He, he uses that to stay warm, and he looks through some letters, blah, blah, blah. Jerry's decided to go to school, get his contractor's license, and little Jimmy. 
wants his grandpa to know that he lost a tooth. He ends up like going to some nearby town and he like basically presents himself as a postman. I'm a representative of the United States government. And furthermore, the, the Bolin Act requires that you provide all mail carriers with sanctuary and nutrient food. So he's like the celebrity. He like comes in, he gives someone a letter. Everyone like wants to meet him. Can you tell us about the government? Yes, tell us everything. Is there a president? His name is Richard Starkey. This is another like, there's no way this is a Gen X dude. He tells him the president is Richard Starkey, which is Ringo Starr's real name. Uh, like, come on, man. If this, if this, if the world ended in 97, that would be Kurt Cobain. Kate Bush. You could have been Kate no. Bush or Peter Gabriel. If we're being honest, taking one look at Kevin Costner, like he's naming that president Brian Adams. <laughs> or like, or like John Cougar Mellencamp. Yeah, 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 the Coug. <laughs> so then he's at this party and like Olivia Williams uh, from Rushmore, she like basically just comes up and wants to dance with him and you think, ooh. <laughs> so while they're dancing, she's like... Have you ever had the bad mumps? <laughs> <laughs> Never had the bad mumps. No syphilis, nothing like that? I think she even goes so far to be like, is your semen good? And it's, it's like all weird, yeah. so... Whatever. So she basically is like, yeah, like my husband had the bad mom, so he can't get me pregnant. Um, and since you're just like a postman passing through, how about you get me pregnant? I'm only asking because I want you to make me pregnant. It's got to be the uniform. <laughs> so then they like start to make out a little bit. And she's like, you know, it'll just be easier for me if you close your eyes. You know, we, we've laid out that this is going to be awkward for him. Then we like have a scene where it looks like they have sex about like four, like they do it all night mm -hmm. long. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. I guess just to be sure, just just to make sure that like some of that gets in there. Okay, this is where we realize we are so far up Kevin Costner's ass in this production because it's like <laughs> not only is he this roguish, rakish, you know, like good vibes, groovy, yeah. like dude, he's also an irresistible magnetic force and a great lover. Like, and like th there's just no way he's not all of these things in his oh, own yeah. mind. Then it's like one point he falls asleep. I think she like wakes him back up to do it again. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, whatever. We assume he's impregnated or he's, they've, they've, uh, right. They went a few rounds, put it that the way. The only thing um, that scene is missing is her saying, you're the greatest lover that ever lived. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's clearly Kevin Costner's point. He wanted everyone to leave with us getting the sense that he's great in the sack. Can we, we can kind of condense the next little bit. It's like, so Kevin Costner kind of leaves. The bad general guy comes to town for his, like, monthly tribute or whatever taxes and stuff he takes from these people. He, like, kills Olivia Williams' husband. He takes her as like a sex slave, essentially. Right. But before he does that, he just looks over at her and goes, that's like one great a piece of ass. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That, gentlemen, is a first-rate piece of ass. <laughs> aren't, aren't, isn't he supposed to be like some like religious nut? Like, I don't know, it just seemed like a break of character. for and Like, now all of a sudden he's like a dude in a sports bar. Even if he wasn't puritanical Christian, moments ago we saw him painting an oil painting and reciting Shakespeare. So, like, he couldn't even articulate this in a different way, like... So, whatever, uh, he goes to the next town that Kevin Costner's in is gonna, like, start yeah. shelling it with artillery. The other town, the only note I have on the other town, we went from one mayor was George Costanza's boss. The mayor of the other town is the is like the, the number two from Spaceballs. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Negotiate a settlement. Okay. You're the government rep. You go tell them. 
I thought the plot at this point was going to be like, well, I can't do it because he's going to recognize me. Like, what do you have to do? <laughs> no, but he just walks right up to the guy. They have a whole fucking conversation. Um, and he's like, do I know you from somewhere? They've asked me to negotiate a peace treaty. Do I know you? I don't think so, sir. Meanwhile, like, literally, you guys had a Shakespearean rap battle. You invited him into your quarters to, like, yeah. talk about your oil painting and tell him that he used to be a copy salesman. He sent him to kill Liney. He jumped <laughs> off, like, you know, a thousand feet into a fucking river from, like, a, you know, suspension bridge. And then when you saw he might be alive, you sent out seven guys with guns, like, yeah. shooting. But, like, and you don't remember him. It's staggering how it's only it's honestly it's insulting to an audience. So blah blah blah. You know, there's like a gunfight. Uh, Kevin Costner, I believe, gets like shot in the stomach or wounded. He escapes with Olivia Williams, and this is like it kind of gets the next section. And they end up in like a cabin in the woods somewhere. This is the like divorcing couple segment. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this is where most of us are right now if we live with someone in the quarantine, you know. Yeah, but there's, there's supposed to be like young love, right? Oh, we're to presume they only had one night of the greatest sex of their lives together, but they immediately get to this cabin and they're just like, ugh. Your legs are gonna rot off if you don't try to walk. Well, I'm hurt. You're lazy. Lazy. I got a hole in my stomach. She is not having it and they bicker and it goes on for way too long. What turns the relationship is she somehow rips off his sleeve and she sees that eight that's like the sign of the evil Hollandist group. At that point, I think she realizes he's maybe a liar, not who he said he was. The only note I had on this was, didn't y'all like just fuck for like eight hours a few scenes ago? Like you, just, <laughs> you didn't see it then? You have the mark of eight on you. Mark doesn't mean you're a liar. At one point, uh, while they're in the cabin, she's like, Oh, by the way, the baby's yours. And he's like, Well, how do you know? Like, how do you know it's not the general's? And in case we didn't know, from the hour we spent learning that this general's a bad guy, and then you know, the last 20 30 minutes where he's been blowing up these innocent people and stealing all their shit. Just to shit on a general a little bit more, she's like, oh yeah, like he can't get an erection. He tried with me almost every night. He couldn't do it, so he beat me. Said it was my fault. So, so the winter passes, they're out of the cabin. Olivia Williams' pregnancy is going to get real big because, I mean, she was impregnated, then went to go be this other guy's sex slave, then was rescued, right. then now spent five months in the cabin. She does not have a bump. I mean, she still looks right. like she weighs about 100 pounds. She should be having morning sickness. She should be having taste yeah. aversion. There should be mood swings. There's a lot that goes on in this time, and it's not clearly not going on. So they come out. They We're in this next section, which is like going to be a series of escalations. Like, we find out Lorenz Tate, he's like this awesome guy, and now we have like all the young teenagers or postal service workers and it's like really grown and it's like this cool new thing we bring all the mail here first we sort it we group it then it goes out so far we got 30 routes because kevin costner is inspiring people in his sleep at this point <laughs> he's leaving like a trail of inspiration they have like these leaflets that say we won't accept tyranny uh i do like they misspell tyranny that becomes like a running joke you spelled tyranny wrong smart. It is kind of predictive <laughs> of the future that uh, 
there are going to be a lot of folks talking about how they live in tyranny and they can't even spell the word tyranny. I think right. that was highly <laughs> predictive of Facebook. Except we don't have societal collapse to blame just yet. Just yet, yeah. <laughs> so I have, a, I have an issue with this part of the movie because yeah. the whole thing is like building up the myth of Kevin Costner as this inspirational figure who, who aw shucks, falls backwards into this position. Then he literally goes and like, lays his lazy ass down in a cabin and this thing gets built like this resistance gets built by by the young black kid and kevin pastor just comes back in and becomes like the ceo he has upper management potential for sure you know (laughs) he's not he's not the day-to-day he's like the big picture guy just stay safe remember the mailman's more important than the mail boy he's smart so honestly I'm going to admit, I don't even know where the fuck we are in this movie anymore. Like, this this is the <laughs> point where it's it's getting so mushy. There's that one scene that really sticks out where they're moving along. He's delivering something, and he passes a little kid who's, yes. who's got a letter for him, and then he stops, and the music is swelling, and it takes, like, 15 fucking minutes for him to, like, <laughs> turn around and really, like, ramp it up and grab this letter in this majestic moment. This is so obnoxiously, like, conceited. I missed him. <laughs> you see where this is going there's going to be a showdown between the postman and the race people at some point in this kevin costner decides because like uh olivia williams is still you know years later pregnant with his child <laughs> that they need to get on a horse and leave you know i assume for the sake of the child whatever and so at some point they end up at this place called bridge city and uh, right which looks like the hoover dam yeah, and, and we just have a bunch of scenes that are just like, hey, this is Tom Petty. You're in Bridge City. Where we don't allow guns. I know you. You're famous. I was once. Sort of. Really the purpose of having Tom Petty there and that whole scene where he's like, yeah, I used to be famous. Like, it's, so, it's just so Tom Petty can say, no, man, you're famous. Like, just more <laughs> ego stroking for Kevin Costner, which is really getting reprehensible at this point. I heard of you, man. You're famous. Yeah, I guess I am. So whatever, so final battle. So, I, you know, whatever, he gets an army, whatever the fuck. He's gonna go <laughs> meet the general. So they ride out in the field, they meet each other. I think he's still like, do I know you from somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the final scene of the movie. <laughs> I challenge the leadership of the clan. Where do I know you from? Right, have it. <laughs> And let's snip the dogs of war. Do you remember that? Shakespeare. <laughs> but who didn't want to fight? Like, could you imagine you'd be like in fucking Batman, the Joker and Batman have the climatic battle, and they're like, hey, do I know you? You know, like, what the fuck? I should have found a way to kill you then. But you seem so strong. Lost seven! It is! This war is settled here! Okay, so he invokes the seventh, which means he can challenge for the clan. We've established earlier, the last time someone challenged this general, the fight was over in 45 seconds, and it was just a fucking massacre, and the guy must have been knocked out enough that he was able to castrate him and cut out his tongue. 
Uh, he must have fucked him up that badly. So I'm expecting a general to have some real like MMA. <laughs> I don't know. Did they not have a fight coordinator? This like final fight. It's just these two charge at each other and just get <laughs> tangled up. And then they basically just wrestle on the ground yeah. like some drunk guys in a fucking tailgate. They went like a Bill's Mafia or something, <laughs> slapping each other and pushing each other. I mean, it's like a really ugly fight for a climatic scene. It's just ridiculous that it's like a little little kid fucking slap fight like he's gonna give him a wedgie at some point <laughs> you don't believe in anything that's what makes me better i believe in the united states kevin costner like i believe in the united states headbutts him then he kicks his ass then lorenz tate shows up and he's gonna like execute him and then we do we almost do that iced tea scene from the end of new jack city where it's right. not worth it man don't, don't, don't do it law eight there's only one penalty, and that penalty is death. He isn't worth it. I mean, this guy's like, this guy's like performed genocide on like the, <laughs> right. most of the Pacific Northwest. Like, yeah, I totally fucking shoot him. So, okay, so whatever. Good guys win. We cut back to like, it's, you know, Olivia Williams or whatever. The baby's finally been born after her 10-year pregnancy. And the baby's <laughs> right. name is Hope, uh, which, you know... You, you would only expect it to be on the nose. Yeah, like her, that. her middle name is on the nose. We kind of like fade then to the to the farther into the future. It's like 2040 something, whatever. And then it's like his daughter, it's Hope, who she was the narrator in the beginning. She is like leading some a statue ceremony. My father saw how fragile we are and how quickly we fell into the hands of tyranny. He saw that ordinary men could reach deep within themselves and find courage. The way that we know the United States has uh, overcome fascism and uh, this post-apocalypse is everyone's wearing Sears clothes again, like J. Crew, J. Crew shirts <laughs> and polo, you know, sweaters and that kind of shit. Like, so everyone's dressed normally, no more leather shit. So the United States has been restored. They look normal. Oh, thank God. And so in honor of my father, You know, they unveil the statue and it's like a portrayal of him taking a letter from that little kid. Then it cuts to, to a middle-aged man in the audience and he just goes, that was me. <laughs> that was me. And I was inspired. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> by Kevin Costner. <laughs> what a guy. You know, just, uh, the fucking postman. It's just so staggering that this movie literally built a monument to itself like <laughs> it memorialized a scene halfway through the movie in a fucking statue and then had a celebration for it had a commencement ceremony about a monument to itself if we could like get into like the the big picture stuff yeah let's do the now. big picture so the 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 fact of the matter is this movie has a really interesting core. And if there, like I said at the beginning, if there's ever a time for a really un, like unappreciated and, and reviled movie to get a, a cultural reevaluation, it's this movie right now. You know, how important the post office is, like with our most recent election. Yeah. Um, that's honestly like the icing on the cake of a very, really prescient movie that's about like societal collapse. They, they mention uh, definitely vi viral infection if not a full-on pandemic they mention global war they mention nuclear winter or just 
at the very least, climate shift. So yeah, for a movie written in 1997, um, it's gotten some things right. You know, yeah. uh, the white supremacy kind of bubbling on her surface. You you made the comment in in one of our texts about it, like these are essentially the proud boys taking over. Yeah, my uh, my fiance came in the room at one point when I was watching it. She goes, "Are these the proud boys?" You know, so yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, not I, wrong. "No, no." I mean, like, yeah, they mention it artfully, and they kind of they could have written a movie that was really forward thinking or speculative, and instead, it is a monument to Kevin Costner's personal ego so i know at the time when it was like kind of really hitting the skids in terms of reviews kevin costner would stick up for it by saying well it's supposed to be a fable about society and and you know it's supposed to be a parable and it should be like a fairy tale which is kind of horseshit but that's what he said at the time then there's articles you can find just in the last couple of months where people are interviewing kevin costner like what do you think now about how you know forward thinking your movie was? And instead of just taking credit for it, he doubled down on the like, what I should have done was put once upon a time in front of the beginning of the movie. That was his <laughs> big solution. This movie would have made $80 million if I put once upon a time in front of the, the title. He thinks we didn't get that it was a parable. So it's clear he has no fucking idea what was nice. relevant about this movie. <laughs> but then yeah. you, would, you couldn't have had Tom Petty in that scenario. You couldn't have like had a real <laughs> exactly. world. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really true. I wish they leaned in more to this idea of this loneliness and like this lone wanderer going from town to town and maybe he solves some problems, maybe he does some good things, some bad things. Maybe there's like some redemption for him at the end. There, there, there are a lot of interesting ways they could have done that. They could have leaned, I, I wish they would have, the way that the Fallout video game series does, they could have leaned into like, kind of 50s pre-atomic like we're sending men to the mm-hmm. moon kind of music and culture and you sort of leave the society at a point when they thought they were going to expand to the heavens and mm-hmm. instead it destroyed itself but yeah i mean i i like this movie um probably because i like that video game a lot but it's not a good movie and kevin costner is very egocentric in almost all his movies but to me i just love that he had a phase of his career with this and Waterworld, where his ego like could not be satisfied by mm-hmm. being the world's smartest catcher in the sport of baseball and like the world's greatest lover that gives Susan Sarandon twenty orgasms and whatever fuck you know like like yeah. that wasn't enough for him. His character needed to resurrect our way of life. So we could rewrite it five solid movies but yeah. not one altogether. If you play Fallout 4, that would be my <laughs> recommendation to you, especially in quarantine, you're bored. Download Fallout 4 for like, like 20 bucks right now, and, and that'll give you about 100, 200 hours of enjoyment while you're locked up in your house, and it'll be a better version of this movie. Okay, um, I believe that was our episode. I think we picked all the meat off the bone of the postman. <laughs> and amazingly, we kept this uh, under three hours. Um, but so uh, this was my pick. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from here? Postman is a very close to being a thoughtful and insightful view of the future. Mm-hmm. Let's do the biggest, dumbest, idiotic <laughs> view of a post-society movie. Yeah. Um, and let's do Rain of Fire. I've always wanted an excuse to, to really dive into this movie, so I'm pretty jazzed. Perfect. Perfect.